You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 124. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. It is official. Arbitrary number time. The 77th person has told me to slow down <laughs> on the podcast. And I totally get it. Uh, when this neighbor had mentioned it, I literally thought that was the funniest thing that she could have said as her comment on the show because. I generally get amazing feedback about the content. And the one thing I consistently am reminded of is to slow down. I'm a very visual person. And visual people, that that being their communication style preference, tend to want to paint a picture for people in a way that they can see everything that they're seeing in their mind, they want to be able to paint that picture. They want to be able to create that clarity for the listener through the way they talk and describe. And so they will talk fast. So like any good traditional visual person, I absolutely talk fast. And so I I agree that there is going to be some focus in this episode and moving forward in speaking in a slower tone. Sometimes I talk really fast because I'm afraid I'm going to forget what I'm going to say. But I don't... <laughs> I'm not really sure how much I forget what I'm going to say as much as I will talk so fast that I will forget what I was talking about. Today, though, we're going to do an episode specifically about being impeccable with your word and doing what you say you're going to do when you'll do it. Now, I talked about this just now on the College Success Habits podcast, and lately I have found that both shows are mirroring each other, uh, generally because in the summer months there's not much to talk about as far as school goes with College Success Habits, and I've covered a lot of the topics there as far as organizing your syllabus and things of that nature. And I'm not going to rehash that. And I really started to turn College Success Habits more into a Life Success Habits podcast. The beauty about From Sobriety to Recovery is this ultimately was started as sort of a audio vlog for me to discuss my sobriety and recovery and to introduce you all to different ways of experiencing your life because I was experiencing my life in so many new and fascinating ways, all introduced to me, well, I don't know if I'll use a universal qualifier like all, but a majority of them introduced to me through neuro-linguistic programming. What we're going to talk about today, though, around being impeccable with your word, really has a majority of its roots and, and my understanding of it from Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. Why I think this is important now is because it's recently shown up in my life. It's in many different areas. Uh, One, we recently went to the river and we were gone from our house for 50 hours. And we had hired this uh, young lady to watch our old, old, old puppy dog. And she was a uh, daughter of a 
a coworker of my girlfriend's, and the girl definitely dropped the ball. The dog went to the bathroom many times in the house, and it was very clear that she didn't spend the night here like she had told us she would, and that she basically didn't even sit on our couch because the pillows were impeccably arranged the way my girlfriend always does. She has a system, and you're not going to look at that couch and then waller all over it and then get everything back the way that she put it. It's Even the way she fluffs the pillows is very strategic. So it was very clear that the couch hadn't been sat on, the bed hadn't been slept in, it was like, come on, Dorothy, or Dorothy, come on, Goldilocks. You could at least fake that you were here for longer than an hour. And this person had made promises to us that they would be there for our, our old, 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 blind and deaf dog. And she wasn't, right? A complete failure on her part to be impeccable with her word. Um, where else I've seen this in my life recently? Well, one, I recently did this to somebody and then I just had it done to me today. Right. My schedule is very tight and I keep things very well organized and very rarely will I get overbooked because I, my scheduler doesn't allow that. But I did get, uh, I did have someone reach out and want me to speak uh, rather abruptly. They were like, look, we really need you to come. We really need you to do this for us. We need you to show up and we need you to speak in front of these this group of people. It was in a recovery center. And so whatever you've got going on, would you be willing to move it? And so I had my assistant move an appointment I had with a listener who had signed up for a discovery call. And I don't like moving people's appointments because that's just me being impeccable with my word. If I send you my scheduler, if Emily sends you the scheduler and you fill it out, I assume that you will show up because I will show up. And so I wasn't able to show up for this listener and uh, she um, rescheduled, but didn't show up for the time she had rescheduled and won't return the calls or the, I'm sorry, the text messages. And so perhaps, uh, perhaps I've upset this person and I can apologize on the show and I can apologize via text message, but only so much apologizing will make up for the fact that I had asked this person to change a time that they were comfortable with to a time that was more amicable for my schedule. And so I wasn't impeccable with my word there. To show up for one thing, I had to disappoint someone else. And in the future, I'll have to ask myself, is that concession worth making? Right? Yes, you know, to the, the people I spoke in front of, they were very grateful that I was there. Um, but what about the person that had already scheduled that time? That was important to them too. And who knows how I could have benefited that person in that moment. And likewise, today... Someone has been very much emailing me to the point where I almost just just was like, Emily, just get this out of my inbox, figure this out. And um, so got them on the schedule and then didn't show up. And then their reply to the email was one of those autoresponders that was exactly the email they sent me originally to even get on my schedule. So I realized that this this whole company is just operating with autoresponders. And so like I'm over here stressing out about making time for them when I'm getting auto responses to like, hey, sitting in the Zoom meeting, I'm waiting for you. And I have a standard wait for 15 minutes rule because, you know, life is unpredictable and who am I to jump to conclusions for why someone isn't making it to a meeting. So I wasn't impeccable with my word for a listener to show up to a discovery call and someone else who had been very much seemingly wanting to get on my schedule but auto-responding with these emails the entire time. <laughs> so doesn't show up and they're not impeccable with their word. 
uh, where are some other opportunities for me to point out examples? Well, here's a good one. When, and if you follow me on my social media, specifically my Instagram stories, you will notice that from time to time, I post really awesome pictures of birds um, at my bird feeder. And I've become slightly, um, I'm not going to use the word obsessed, but very much focused on these birds being happy. And they're birds. I don't even know if they, they, they were surviving just fine before my bird feeder. I'm sure they would survive just fine without it. But generally, if I go out there and just open up the front door without, you know, trying to gently do it, I'll get about 15 to 20 birds that will scatter like they were roaches who just found out a light was turned on. Um, I used to have two doves. Now I've got four. I've got brown birds and, and sort of brown and red birds and really cool yellow chested birds. And a bluebird showed up the other day, and I was so happy to see a bluebird. And I definitely have a squirrel. <laughs> don't want the squirrel. Uh, luckily, I was able to fend off the crows, and I didn't let them habituate arriving to my bird feeder. But I certainly um, was was noticing that even the crows were being called upon the bird feeder. And I'm rattling on about a bird feeder because I did make a promise to my girlfriend that I would sweep up after the bird seat every single day because it is quite a chaotic mess. They tend to like the black sunflower seeds and those things leave a mess. And even when it wasn't a lot of black sunflower seeds, they don't have table manners and they just fling bird seed everywhere so every single day it looks like a fraternity party on my front porch <laughs> and so she um, expressed to me that her dislike of the mess that had been created by these birds and that I had promised that I would clean up after them at least you know within every 24 to 48 hours she did say that look I get Jesse sometimes you're in that office from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. and just enough time to eat and go right back in and, and do stuff till midnight. So I get that some days you're in there for what amounts to 15 to 18 hours. I, I understand if you can't get it every day, but four days is not good here. And <laughs> so that was me not being impeccable with my word because she didn't say anything about it the first time I let it go two, three, four days. I just sort of said, oh, okay, well, it's not that big of a deal. But it was that big of a deal. And I had promised her that I would clean up after the birds. And it was up to me to fulfill my promise. It wasn't up to her to remind me of the promise that I made. And I think that is a really good way to segue after 10 minutes of giving you examples for why the motivation to be impeccable with your word should be very obvious to you. That the segue line of it is not the person's responsibility to remind you of the promise you made. It is your responsibility to fulfill the promise that you made. Now, there are two different ways being impeccable with your word will play out in your life. And for some of you who listen intently and take notes, and I have certainly met many of you, you're going to think that this is a really awesome review. For others who just put who just hit play and go about your life, and maybe you don't hang on every word, <laughs> This might sound like new material to you, but either way, whether it's reviewing or new, it's going to be beneficial for you to really take this, this two examples to heart. So let's start with being impeccable with your word to yourself. When we step into sobriety and recovery, we make a decision to begin a journey of self-discovery 
that seeks to locate where in our lives we have been less than the best version of ourselves, and then to actively recover that version of ourselves. No one was born into addiction, right? Even, and I get that there there are those, the cocaine and the crack babies, and that was a huge conversation in the 80s. And so, yes, let's, let me, let me reel this in a little bit. Yes, there are some people literally born into addiction. But for most of us, yes, it can be a bit hereditary, and it can certainly be around us a lot as children, but that doesn't just sink us into a destiny of addiction. My brother was born into the same bloodline that I was, and yet he has never had to deal with addiction. Didn't really drink any alcohol till he turned 21. If he's experimented with marijuana, I'm not aware of it, and I'm sure as hell would bet my life that he hasn't touched anything beyond alcohol and weed, and again, if he's even done the weed. So we're not born into this destiny. We make decisions that lead us into this lifestyle. When we go to move into addiction recovery, we do so realizing that a lot of change is going to need to happen. We're going to want it to happen. We're absolutely going to desire for it to happen in order for us to reach our fullest potential, to really be able to seize the day that is waking up every day, feeling like it's the best day of your life because you're sober. That's just step one, right? Just like the 12 steps are just a very long, elongated one step. You get through the 12 steps, congratulations. Now you're ready to go out there and really rebuild and recreate your life in the way that you desire it and have desired it for for it to be for as long as you could even think about what a lifestyle was. So when you step into this version of youth who seeks to recover what you could have been let slide away and then now ready to seize again. Being impeccable with your word to yourself is the beginning of the journey. When you make promises to yourself to go to meetings, to attend your um, your any kind of meetings, to visit with your sponsor, to call your sponsor, to go to the therapist appointments, to piss in the cup if that's what you have to do. Hell, even my addiction recovery program has me pissing in a cup, and I've been sober for fifty four months. You following through with your word will begin those tiny little steps towards showing yourself that you're serious about this journey. The unconscious mind is in charge of your emotions. It's in charge of building and creating the patterns for which your entire existence is built upon. The foundation of your life is thousands and thousands of patterns and sequences that you've habituated just to make life easier for yourself. You don't have to think about what hand to hold the car keys in when you go up to your car or your house keys when you come up to your front door. You don't have to think about how to tie your shoes, what hand you're going to hold the fork in, what hand you're going to hold the knife in, what hand you're going to brush your teeth with. These are just the easy ones that I can grab off the top of my head during that brief little moment of painting examples for you. There are thousands more underneath your surface, and that's what the unconscious mind's in charge of. 
So the unconscious mind is looking for patterns in your behavior that it can then use as the blueprint for how it should be guiding you to behave moving forward in your life. So if the patterns of behavior it notices are that you make promises and decisions and set appointments that you're not going to follow through with, it begins to create the version of you that makes promises and agreements and decisions and appointments and then doesn't follow through with them. So when you say, yes, you'll be at the lunch and at noon, your unconscious mind's like, yeah, maybe. Whereas if you become the person who is impeccable with their word to yourself and you make that agreement, and I get that there's somebody else involved when you say, yes, I'll be there at noon. But really what you're saying to yourself is, I will be there at noon. That person can show up whenever they show up, but I said I would be there at noon, so I'm going to be there at noon. If they choose to be 20 minutes late, that's them not being impeccable with their word. But I'm not them, and I'm not holding myself to the standard that other person is holding themselves to. And that's the key, guys and gals. We're not worried about the standards other people are holding themselves to. We are holding ourselves to our standards. My standard says, if I say I'll be there at noon, I'll be there at noon. Actually, I'll be there about 10 or 15 minutes early because I probably Google mapped it to make sure I would be on time, got there a little early in case parking was an issue, got there, you know, I like to get the lay of the land, I like to get the energy of my space that I'm going to be in for a little while, I like to sort of absorb it, so I want to get there early. What's it matter if I get there early? I got a cell phone. I get, What am I going to do? Sit and stare at my cell phone here for an extra 15 minutes, or get somewhere 15 minutes early and then stare at my cell phone, but either way, Maybe I don't start a cell phone at all, and I go find birds wherever I'm at. Because, by the way, they're hilarious to watch. Birds are hilarious. <laughs> so you are living up to your standard. And when you say you're going to be somewhere, when you say you're going to go to a meeting for 30 and 30, and you're going to call your sponsor at 2.15, then, by goodness gracious, barring a bear bursting into your house and holding you back from getting to your appointment on time, there should be no reason why you do not live up to the standards you're setting for yourself and arrive on time. You want to become the version of a person, of yourself, that does what they say they're going to do. Because then your brain looks to show you behaviors that you're, be, you're becoming that person. So then when you say you're going to be somewhere, it begins to habituate things like, opening up the Google Maps and putting in the address a couple hours beforehand to keep an eye on the traffic because you said you were going to be there. How hard is it to just have the Google Maps open, have the destination put in, and just check on it every 30, 45 minutes? It's not hard. In fact, it's super easy. And it's a super awesome way to prove to yourself that you care about things like this. When we were addicts, we just went through life. Right? We did whatever the hell we wanted to do whenever we wanted to do it. We got drunk at noon when we told somebody we'd be somewhere at 5, and then we called them up at 4.55 and said, hey, man, sorry, you know, traffic's a bear, or I got called into work, or whatever BS excuse we gave. And we didn't really give two dams if we hurt that person's feelings, because you know what? I'm over here getting smashed. It's Smashtown, USA. 
So being impeccable with your word is important to you because then it proves to yourself that you follow through with your decisions. And then your brain proves to you you follow through with your decisions. And then there's a compounding interest effect. You just keep becoming a person who follows through with decisions. To the point where when someone asks you to do something or be somewhere, you don't get anxiety and stress over it, wondering if you'll actually make it. You know you'll make it because you've proven to yourself the previous 150 times that you make it places on time, that you do the things you'll promise you'll do. So that's how being impeccable with your word shows up to you. You get to watch yourself, experience yourself, become the person who can be counted on for yourself and for others. And that feels amazing. Most people lost a lot of faith in us when we were at our height of our using an addiction. One of the best ways to begin to show people that we're actually changing and becoming a better version of ourselves is to follow through with the things that we tell them we're going to do. If I tell people that I'm going to release 35 pounds and get down to my high school weight, that's not just for fluff. That's not ego. That's not vanity. That was a commitment I made to myself to be disciplined enough to walk 10 to 12,000 steps a day, work out five times a day, and monitor my, my calories in and my cal- calories out. I wanted to just see if I could do it. Could I make that kind of level of commitment to myself? be impeccable with my word for myself, and follow through, regardless of how many holidays showed up, how many delicious sugary snacks were put in front of me. Could I be disciplined enough to prove to myself that I could set a goal and accomplish it? Weighing in on my 45th birthday at 158, my high school weight, the weight I was the summer before I went to college, my freshman year, was so gratifying, not for the vanity's sake, not for the abs, not for not because I can see my veins and my muscles and I below 10% body fat. That was all great secondary gains. The primary gain was the satisfaction that came from proving to myself that I could be decisive. I could take action. I could embrace the discipline and I could exercise flexibility when things got in the way that I wasn't expecting. And most importantly, that I embody tenaciousness and I showed up every single day as the best version of myself. And that's how being impeccable with your word can show up in phase two. How are you being impeccable with your word with other people? When you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, that person it begins to lose a, a smidgen of respect or a great deal, depending on their own perspective. They begin to either lose a smidgen or a great deal of respect toward you. The more you disappoint them, the less likely they are going to be to invite you places, to ask you to do things, to want you to be a part of the experiences that they want you to be a part of. After a while, you stop getting getting invited to nights out. You stop getting invited to cool events, to cool weekends, to dinner parties. You stop being invited, not necessarily because you're not the one who wants to drink, a lot of people will notice the phone calls slow down or, or the invitations stop, and they'll just naturally assume it's because they no longer partake in alcohol. They no longer are partying. Now, if all those people are binge drinking crazies, then yeah, that might be what they're doing. And hey, then hip, hip, hooray for you. Best to not have those kind of people in your circle of influence anyways. But if a majority of the people were just casual drinkers, the quote-unquote normies, if you will, 
then you may not be getting invited because you've proven to them that you're not the kind of person that they want around them. You show up and gossip. You show up with negativity. You show up and complain. Or you tell them you're going to show up and then you're not even there for the first two hours of the party. Well, why would they want someone there who brings in negativity or shows up late and doesn't follow through with what they would say? They may not tell you that you've disappointed them. But it will it'll begin to show up in how often they contact you and how much they invite you in. This girl who came over to our house to watch our old decrepit dog but didn't, we didn't say anything to her. The co-worker with my girlfriend, we didn't tell that woman that her daughter didn't follow through with what she said. She was more than happy to take her 75 bucks, but she didn't follow through with watching the dog. We didn't tell her that because we didn't want to cause a commotion in the workplace. But she'll never be invited to do that again. And if she's doing that with us over a 50-hour journey where the dog sleeps for 48 hours of that journey, if she did that to us, where else in her life is she not showing up and being impeccable with her word? Is she not being the best version of herself? If you think you can turn work ethic off and on like a light, you are extremely misguided. You cannot turn work ethic off and on like a light. You have it or you don't. You can certainly build up work ethic. But if you just think, well, I'm going to half-ass this thing, but I'm absolutely going to turn it on and be awesome for this thing. It doesn't work that way. I watched this happen in school where somebody at the restaurant would be like, well, this isn't my real career. This isn't my real job. When I graduate and I get my real job, I'll work hard there because I'll want that job. Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this wasn't a real job. I didn't, ooh, you must be paying all your fake bills with all the fake money we're making because I see you walking around with a car and brand new clothes and a cell phone. How are you paying for that stuff with this fake job? All the fake money we're making? I was clearing three, four, five hundred dollars a night serving at this little fancy schmancy seafood place or slinging drinks from behind the bar at Gator City. Yeah, that wasn't being a journalist. That wasn't being a public speaker. It wasn't being a sports broadcaster, all the things that I was going to college for. But I was certainly making real damn money there, and a lot of it. Clearing $1,500 to $2,000 a week as a bartender or server in college, which definitely helped with my cocaine habit, not so much with my schooling and my grades, it was real money. And through via Facebook and through other people's channels, I've, I've been able to learn that some of those people that I question their work habits and their work ethic at the bartending and the hospitality jobs and the serving jobs, sure enough, are the ones that aren't holding down very good jobs whenever they get out of college. They're not the ones that are able to really succeed the way that they thought they would because you don't just turn work ethic off and on like a light. You can develop it just like you can develop your growth mindset. But being impeccable with your word is how you begin to develop that work ethic. It's how you begin to develop your growth mindset. Because you show yourself that you are capable of these things, which allows you to grow your mindset. It allows you to see that you're not fixed, you're not in one spot, that you are capable of evolving and transforming and growing in very amazing ways. You are either thriving in the sunshine or you're fading in the shade.
You decide. You are the one who makes these choices. And if you wonder why people start to ostracize you, and again, there's there's a lot of variables in this when I say ostracizing you and not calling you and things like that. But when we're talking about it within the aspect of being impeccable with your word, start by asking yourself, do you follow through with the things that you say to these people that you're going to do? Do you show up on time? Are you 100% present when you're there? Are you looking up at them and not down at your phone? You said you were going to go do something and be someplace with people. If while you're there, you're detached and disconnected, and they're, they're extremely connected and wanting to be in that moment with you, you might find yourself getting less and less invitations. So now you understand how being impeccable with your word can show up in your own brain as it begins to prove to you that you are becoming and evolving into this amazing version of yourself. And now you understand how being impeccable with your word can begin to affect the people around you. And whether they're going to seek to have you around more or whether they're going to push away and want you around less. Either way, you are in control of so many aspects of this that now that I've brought this into your awareness, and again, for some of you it was review, and for others of you it was brand new material. But either way, your call to action here is to go back and look over where in your life Where in your recent days or weeks or months have you been less than impeccable with your word? Where can you begin to achieve more fulfillment in your life by being impeccable with your word? When you program your unconscious mind to see yourself as someone who follows through on your commitments, stress and anxiety that used to come around when you say you'll do something will begin to just dissipate. Because you won't be worried that you won't follow through and that at some point you're going to have to come up with an elaborate excuse or a lie or just blatantly not show up and act like you didn't even have it on your calendar. You won't have to have any stress or anxiety about that because you'll know you're the kind of person who says yes when they mean it and they want to go somewhere. And you also step into being the courageous version of yourself that says no when it's not really something you want to do. I'll put this in the, in my own notes to do an episode on courageously saying no, because there is a time and a place to prioritize yourself over other people's needs. But once you've said yes, then you've said yes, and you be impeccable with your word for as much as you possibly can, realizing that there is a difference between a, an excuse and a reason. Excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. Looking back at me not following through with that, with that uh, phone call with the listener, I could have avoided that entire situation by just telling the recovery center no. I wanted to be there for them, but it caused me not to be there for somebody else. I have no idea what this company was doing today when they didn't show up to our call. Perhaps they had a similar situation. They just didn't have enough respect toward me to reach out beforehand and let me know. But either way, I have a direct reflection back of what it feels like to not have somebody follow through with their word and what it feels like to be the person who didn't follow through with their word. And neither one of these feelings are something that I want to replicate and experience on the regular. Notice this in yourself. Be self-aware and start following through with your commitments. I can guarantee you it will lead you to an all-the-way-up life when you develop this in yourself. You will become 
the wise mind empowered self you've always known was inside of you when you begin to behave this way. And that, my friends, is how you have an all-the-way-up life. As always, it is an honor and privilege to have you here. If you would like to know more about how to learn NLP from me, join one of my programs, or just ask me some questions, the link is in my bio at From Sobriety to Recovery or Jesse Mogul over on Instagram. Please click over there. We can talk about some of my programs. We can see what's a great fit for you. Whatever it is you're looking to explore, your challenges, your successes, let's dive into a phone call. Let's see if this is a good investment for you. It is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the last 124 episodes. I can't wait for the next 124. Remember, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release, and flow. Every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 